0: Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Bank of America, NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. ADP, Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Hackensack Meridian Health, keep getting better. Johnson & Johnson, the Terrell Fund, supporting Reimagine child care, and by the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and by New Jersey Family Magazine, a resource for New Jersey parents.
1: Steve Atabato, and uh, I want to welcome you to a very compelling and important panel discussion on the challenges women face in the workplace, and we're honored to introduce this distinguished group. First, Tanisha Nash-Laird is president and CEO of the iconic Newark Symphony Hall. Ana Maria Tejada is a, the president of the Executive Women of New Jersey, and we'll talk about her law firm in just a second. And also, Serena Wallace is the uh, national placement director of of Empower. Anna. tell everyone the firm you're at, you're a partner, where?
2: I'm a partner at you in Arsene, and Lear, and uh, I work out of the Newark office.
1: Got this. Hey, listen, women in the workplace. This program is dedicated to women in the workplace. Um, let's, let's go through this. The number one challenge you believe women in the workplace, particularly women of color, are facing in the workplace. Uh, Tanisha, go. Number one challenge. Um,
3: for me, balance. I'm the chief executive officer of a, uh, as you said, an unico- iconic institution, but I'm also a mother. So balancing those uh, dual roles is my challenge. You might have just solely been focusing on what my challenge is in the workplace. But frankly, I can't ignore the other things that uh, I have to do. I have two full-time jobs.
1: Anna, let me ask you, you're balancing as well. Describe your situation at home and the challenge at work, please.
2: So I have to say, Steve, that the biggest challenge really during the pandemic um, has been just balancing, like Tanisha said, the work-life myth, right, that, that we talk about. And I have three children, 21, 13, and five, but quite frankly, the five has taken all of my attention. And I'm, I'm an attorney, right? And I have clients and they have demands and I have to meet those demands. And so it's a little harder to do that when you're trying to be a full-time professional as you're trying to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. So quite frankly, I think the biggest issue that we're highlighting here is the childcare responsibilities that are placed on us.
1: Uh, Serena, let me ask you number one challenge, however you want to take it. Go ahead.
4: I agree with both Anna and Tanisha. I think on top of that, it is also about women finding a way to elevate the body of work illustrated on their resume. A lot of times women do juggle a lot. We have a lot of competencies, a lot of skill sets and a great robust and comprehensive professional background. And because we juggle so much, sometimes we overlook putting those pertinent details on the resume to get our foot through the door.
1: Yeah, can we talk about mental health? Absolutely. Just put it on the table. Um, Tanisha, go first. The issue of mental health and its disproportionate impact, not only of people of color, but women of color who are challenged in so many ways and are juggling. The balance thing is funny. What balance are we talking about here? Tanisha, take a shot, go ahead.
3: So, I mean, you know, during the pandemic, it really kind of, um, you know, put it forth, right? So my kids were in 100% virtual, right? So we all did work at the same place. Um, Typically, I would be looking at them right now uh, because they would be facing me as I'm doing all of my Zooms. Um, And it it increased a level of anxiety uh, in me. Right, so it's about and, and I had to acknowledge that I had uh, substantially increased anxiety because I was seeking to keep my eye on two places at once.
1: Anna, mental health issues.
2: Yeah, uh, mental health I think has uh, been exacerbated more during the pandemic. I think we tend to put ourselves last, and so you know by putting ourselves last, I think it just kind of really, really made it very difficult for us. And so one of the things that I don't think communities of color are big on is therapy. And I think that that's something that we really do need to promote and we need to really advise, you know, women to engage in therapy to help them work through this process because
3: it's a hard one. It's not easy. Can I say one thing though, that might've only been the the thing that came during the pandemic, that everybody had to confront this idea of mental health and so it made it less stigmatized. Um, And I'm hoping that it's something that we continue to do beyond the pandemic, but I definitely think during the pandemic, there, it was more welcome the idea because we were also dealing with a number of issues as people of color, you know, we were not only dealing with COVID-19, but we were dealing with the trauma that comes from witnessing things like George Floyd being murdered, um, uh, you know, Breonna Taylor. So all of those things at once. Um, and in our cases, also mothering, right. Uh, children of color at that same time, it, and I know for us, we at my job, I actually got a therapist for the staff, right? So for that, we were able to, um, to acknowledge that we needed some professional intervention. And I'm hoping that that keeps on beyond the pandemic.
1: Well done, by the way, Serena, I didn't give you a chance to describe what Empower is, please. Absolutely,
4: Empower is a national nonprofit organization. We provide free technical training to military veterans as well as young adults ages 18 through 25.
1: I'm curious about something. Tanisha, you told our producers that we need to have a discussion regarding women in the workplace, distinguishing equality from equity. Are they not the same thing?
3: Oh, they're totally not the same thing. And I'm so proud that my 11-year-old knows the difference between equality oh, and equity. Oh, thank you. I, either way, had,
1: I'm playing I, devil's advocate, okay? <laughs> you know,
3: so, uh, well, I, you know, I was, really, I was really pleased to hear that, that she understood that equality is giving everybody the same thing, but equity is giving everybody what they need. And again, I hope in this moment we hold on to that. And this is not not just a temporary reaction to the pandemics,
1: However, quote unquote, racial equality in the workplace, particularly for women of color, uh, Ana, critically important. So it's not one or the other. It is both. Please, Anna.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. Like I think racial equality is important. As an employment attorney, we always assist our clients, our companies, to make sure that they have the policies in place, but that they also train their employees to make sure that everyone is respected in the workplace, and that they have an appropriate complaint procedure in place if there are claims of discrimination. Right, and I think as Tanisha, um, you know, mentioned with the George Floyd, um, you know, death that is something that really came out um, in the workplace. And so making sure that you have non-discrimination policies and you train supervisors and employees to act the right way and to make sure that they address these issues are significantly important.
1: Serena, talk about racial bias, racism, if you will, institutional or otherwise, when it comes to not just hiring, but promotion, uh, particularly of women in the workplace.
4: Sure. One of the things that Empower does is we diversify the level of training beyond the technical instruction team. So beyond technical instruction, we are ensuring professional development training, and we're also infusing anti-racism. We are infusing diversity and inclusion, unconscious bias training, so that the young adults and military veterans that enter the workforce or are career changes re-entering the workforce, that they're well equipped to recognize what it looks like. And also they can already have some ideas of solutions when they go into the workforce to be a part of um, the solution and not necessarily the problem.
1: What is 40 by 22?
4: Sure, 40 by 22 is an initiative that Empower has we want to create this holistic impact of system changes. And it is our personal goal to have 40% of our trainees be women of color that enter the workforce. And we also want our Technical Instruction Institute to reflect that change as well. So 40% of our instructional team across the nation will also be women of color.
1: Mm. Can we have a discussion about It's interesting. Productivity, I'm I'm big on this thing called productivity, at least how I define productivity, right? But there's there's a debate going on, discussion about, hey, particularly in these days, what does quote unquote productivity mean in the workplace? Uh, Tanisha, take that on?
3: So uh, one of the things that I noticed is during this time period is that I was working more, right? Um, and this idea that um, I can do more. I mean, think about it. I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone that has been go- doing Zoom to Zoom to Zoom. And so this idea of uh, increased productivity, this idea that this was a good thing, but it probably- More is was- better, right? More, more is better. That, it is not. It is not. It is not. And so that's something else to, uh, that we all had to sort of reconcile as well. And I found this with my staff as well. I found they were working longer hours and I had to tell them to stop. And I had to model by not sending emails in the, <laughs> in the middle of the night, which is something that I used to do pre-pandemic.
1: That's right. Time out. Time out. Hold on. We have seven strong women who run this company on a day-to-day basis and a group of men, most of us, I'm out here, but we have a great team, um, Elvin and Frank and Scarlett and others, men behind the scenes, Sylvester and others who are working with us. Um, But I'm curious, I I still send emails at odd times, but I say, and I'm not gonna make this about me, and and by the way, Serena, I'm seeing you give me some sort of look, Um, I, I say, listen, you don't have to answer me today, but it's on my mind right now. Are you saying that that's intrusive
3: I'm saying that it can be that to put it in drafts. That's what I started doing. I put it in drafts and again, it's easier for me to do so because I'm, I'm balancing all of the other responsibilities. And so it might, be, it might be more convenient for me to send out an email after my kids go to bed, but it is intrusive, especially since I am the president and CEO, right? So I need to put that in drafts, right? And then send it in the morning.
4: One of the things that we've done, Steve, as well, to Tanisha's point, is making sure that we're practicing professional etiquette for everyone else that we work with and pre-scheduling those emails in advance. If you wanted to go out at six o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock when virtual doors open is so much more um, convenient because we're all at home right now.
1: Yeah, but it's on my mind at this moment. So I should... Okay, never mind.
4: It creates uh, Anna, anxiety in the recipient, whether
3: you intended it or it not. Does it? Right. Yeah. But
1: let me ask you again. I'm not going to play the stereotype game um, about male, female, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think this? Do you think, Anna, that it's much harder for me, an especially evolved man? No, that's a joke. But you know, um, for men who even want to try to be evolved and try to be empathetic and try to understand what women, particularly women of color, are going through. Do you think it's basically impossible for us, Anna?
2: No, look, I don't think it's impossible. And I think you're, you're giving me a, a loaded question, Steve, but I, I will have to say that. Why do a loaded question? Well, look, what I, what I want to say, and this is why I agree with Tanisha and what Serena said. However, as an attorney, as someone who my clients want the response right away, and I couldn't give them the response right away, right? Because I have A four year old jumping on my head as I'm conducting Zooms, I had to send out the emails at 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, because that's when I could get my work done. Right. And so I think that while it's ideal to be able to send out that email at 8 a.m., if I was sending it to an associate, somebody that was working under me, I would say, hey, you know, I don't expect you to respond to me, but I needed to give them some direction. So I think it depends on your circumstances. It depends on the industry and it depends on the demands that you have um, in the workplace. And look, I don't think it's impossible, See, for, meant to understand the, you know, the issues that women are facing. I mean, hey, you have a wife, so you know what she's going through, right? It's she's not... working.
1: She is, that's why I'm taking our daughter to the softball. But it's a balancing act. But not everyone, first of all, not everyone has a situation like that. Number two, there are some men who believe that even in this day and age, that somehow their work is more important. And it's just not true. It's,
5: it's just not. not.
2: Yeah, look, but it's not true. Yeah, no, it's not true. Looking at, as president of Executive Women of New Jersey, you know, one of the things that we have always advocated for is having more women in leadership position and on uh, corporate boards, right? Because if you have women in these positions, then you're going to have the opinion and the voice of someone who understands not only, you know, what perhaps the company is going through, what the consumers are going through, you're getting a perspective that other men on the table are not going to have. And so I think it's extremely important to make sure that you have women in decision-making positions because then you have that. that important opinion and conversation at the table.
1: You're saying it's smart business. It's the right thing to do to have women in leadership positions because people, you're just in a better position to understand. So I got to ask you, Tanisha, real quick. I'm going to go around and ask this question of everyone. One concrete action that would improve the incredibly difficult situation that most women, particularly, again, black and brown women, In the workplace have one concrete workplace change improvement i don't care innovation whatever you want to call it go tanisha
3: um just an acknowledgement of the challenges that we face um i think You know, just an acknowledgement of of that, that we are, you know, oftentimes when I'm having conversations with people, I'm not only having a conversation where they're dealing with the content of our discussion, but perhaps their preconceived notions about
1: a Black woman. Serena, go.
4: I think I'll have to say the learning, expanding the learning pathways. So, and this is both within my organization and um, sending there out. For us, we're providing technical training, and we had to pivot during the pandemic to realize that our trainees, especially the women of color, needed to have a more diverse skill set. So we expanded those learning pathways to now offer a greater number of trainings that complement the job market today so that they can get their foot in the door of coding, software development, and those types of skill sets. So I think that's important for any organization to do, to really look at that service delivery and making sure that their employees, customers, clients, women of color have the opportunity to expand their learning pathways in the organization and beyond.
1: I'm tired of time. Anna, go. One, One change, one improvement.
2: Pay equity. You have to make sure that all women, especially women of color, are paid what they need to get paid for the same amount of work. Black women make 63 cents on the dollar. Latinas make 55 cents on the dollar. That has got to change. And we have to expedite that change because it's taking way too much time.
1: Anna, Tanisha, Serena, thank you. Just thank you. Stay with us and we'll continue the conversation. To
0: see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at infocaucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com Steve Audubato PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Audubato.
5: Many of New Jersey's children have been affected by COVID-19, but now that there's a safe and effective vaccine available for children ages 12 and older, you can help make COVID-19 history by getting yourself and your child vaccinated. Let's end this pandemic together and help all children get back to being kids. Visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org slash COVID-19 to learn more or to schedule a vaccine appointment today.
6: NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, we've got New Jersey. We're pleased
1: to welcome once again Christy Bidron, who is Director of Education at Junior Achievement of New Jersey. Christy, good to see you.
7: Glad to be back. Thank you, Steve.
1: By the way, as we put up the website for Junior Achievement, tell everyone what it is and why it's an important organization.
7: Sure. Well, uh, Junior Achievement's been around for 100 years. And what we've been doing uh, for the past 100 years is connecting young people through adults as mentors and inspiring them to own their own economic success. Whether it's the um, financial literacy, career readiness, entrepreneurship. Um, and in New Jersey, we've really been focused on um, building our state's economy, building that workforce pipeline, and inspiring and encouraging our young people to believe in their dreams and go get them. You
1: now, Christy, this interview is being seen on the back end of a forum on women's leadership. So I'm curious about something the, the Junior Achievement Women's Future Leadership Forums. What are those forums? and how do they teach and promote leadership? I mean, as a student of leadership, our sister series, Lessons in Leadership, is always looking at different ways of teaching and promoting leadership, but with young women, how do you do it and how do you know you're doing it?
7: It's all through mentorship, and it's about encouraging Mm -hmm. our young women to see what's possible, um, to get out of their comfort zone, to practice being comfortable and being uncomfortable, and keeping them with women who are achieving in fields that they're interested in. Um, Here in New Jersey, as you know, we have um, so many STEM organizations, so many big finance companies, and sometimes it's hard for our young women that aspire to careers in those those organizations to really find mentors, especially mentors who can kind of talk to them at their level, um, who can really inspire them and let them see what what is possible. Uh, We've held our Women's Future Leadership forums um, in person for a number of years. And when COVID hit and schools closed, we really wanted to continue that opportunity for our young people. And so we, as many of our other organizations did, we reimagined, we redeveloped the program, and we made it into a weekly virtual series um, where every week we bring together students from all across New Jersey with mentors from companies across New Jersey, in a way that builds communities, strengthens people, not just the students, but the women as well, where we have um, interesting topics, topics that are important for all of us to know, and then mentoring circles where we can all get together and talk about some of our goals, some of our challenges, and that our mentors in turn inspire our young people to really um, meet those goals and give them the tools and information that they need.
1: I mean, let me follow up on this. You use one of my favorite expressions, in, in my work, coaching and teaching about leadership and communication, the importance of, quote, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And I'm not going to get into a philosophical conversation about it, but but it's important. And I'm curious as to what, is it, what it means to you. Like, I'll often get people, I'll ask people on forums who don't expect to be asked to stand up and talk about an issue I know they care about or to tell us something about themselves, an opportunity for growth, et cetera, et cetera, what they've learned. And they'll say, I'm uncomfortable. And my response is, okay. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. But what do you mean by it?
7: Exactly. Uh, the same, that, that's the only way that we learn. We don't learn and we don't grow unless we get out of their com- unless you get out of your comfort zone. And that is really one of the main themes throughout this year-long academy, Uh, And that's really what the students seem to take away the most. And they appreciated that opportunity to step out of their comfort zones. And they didn't really realize how important it was until they had that opportunity. So, for example, one of our sessions um, has the students create and present their own personal elevator pitch. And when we do that in a virtual setting, you know, you could be in a small mentoring group with people that you've never met before, And all of a sudden, you have to talk about yourself and talk about some kind of personal things. And for a lot of our students, you know, just turning their cameras on was was a challenge.
1: Just turning the camera. How about people who are 40 and 50 are saying, no, (laughs) I'd rather join the meeting, just no video. What?
7: Exactly. Because I'm uncomfortable
1: being on camera. You're talking about young. How how young are the young women you're talking about right now?
7: These students are all in high school.
1: But you go even younger and push them. And they're old, but I often say to people, you just think people will grow out of it in every case just because they get older. That's not true. You need I to know. be pushed.
7: You, 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 you do, say- and exactly, you know, and, and with the way things have been going this year, we've learned, and I know you know this, is that one of the keys to leadership is courage. And with everything that's going on, these leaders that are rising to the top, these leaders that are meeting the challenge, Um, they're finding courage. It takes a lot of courage to lead when things are difficult. And so that's another big takeaway that we teach our students, that um, leaders don't necessarily have to have big titles. They don't necessarily have to have huge followings or or any of the other accolades that we generally assign to leaders. It's all about having courage. And it's all about um, being there. Courage to what, Christy? Courage to make change, courage to make a difference, courage to step outside that comfort zone.
1: Courage to make decisions that sometimes make those around you not so pleased.
7: Exactly. And and for us at Junior Achievement, you know, we had to really rethink the way we provided programs. Um, We had to move everything that we've had in person. We reached um, over over almost 90,000 kids prior to the pandemic in our in-person learning um, in in classrooms, in businesses and in our education center. And we knew that we needed to continue that even more now than ever because our students need those life skills that they learn from junior achievement. they need that inspiration. So we spent uh, you know a, the, the full year really focusing on how do we make the, how do we make this virtual? How do we change this? And for us, it took a lot of courage and and we had to learn a lot of new things and and we really were able to share that with our volunteer mentors. I mean we had for just for this program alone, we had uh, over six hundred, mentors, uh, mentors, who joined us for a session from companies and organizations across New Jersey. Um, And and our volunteers really appreciate the opportunity to connect with students in a virtual setting. And for some of them, it was a change as well. Um, Even our featured speakers, we had to kind of say, you know, we had to give them some coaching and let them know that it was going to be okay, Um, because it it is a whole different world.
1: Before I, I got a minute left, can you tell me real quick about the advanced leadership initiative. What is it, and when is it kicking off?
7: Right. so we have, and again, we've been reimagining this program since the beginning. So we we envisioned having, you know maybe two, three hundred students participate. We ended having uh, ended up having over three thousand participants of the year. And many of those students, they wanted more than just to sit and enjoy a virtual session. They wanted to do more. So we created an, a program where they could um, submit it like a capstone project. And then we're going to take those students, we had 126 students uh, take that extra step to become involved. So we're going to take that cohort of young women in New Jersey who are really poised to be our next generation of leaders and create something that's specific just for them that takes it a step further where they can share, again, what they've learned, even with their younger peers. So next year, those students could be the mentors themselves to our students. Because as you know, we learn best from our peers. And that's where it's com- coming from. Hearing that student voice is so important. And we're trying to capture that as much. as
1: Hey, as a student of leadership, as a teacher of it, who's someone who makes mistake as a, mistakes as a leader every single day, um, and tries to learn from that and teach others. Cannot thank you enough, Christy, for the work that you and your colleagues at Junior Achievement in New Jersey are doing. Um, We wish you all the best.
7: Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate
1: the time. I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time.
5: Many of New Jersey's children have been affected by COVID-19. But now that there's a safe and effective vaccine available for children ages 12 and older, you can help make COVID-19 history by getting yourself and your child vaccinated. Let's end this pandemic together and help all children get back to being kids. Visit hackintagmeridianhealth.org slash COVID-19 to learn more or to schedule a vaccine
6: appointment today. NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM. We've got New Jersey covered.
0: Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Bank of America, NJM Insurance Group, ADP, Seton Hall University, Hackensack Meridian Health, Johnson and Johnson, the Terrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Childcare, and by the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and by New Jersey Family Magazine.
5: Many of New Jersey's children have been affected by COVID-19, but now that there's a safe and effective vaccine available for children ages 12 and older, you can help make COVID-19 history by getting yourself and your child vaccinated. Let's end this pandemic together and help all children get back to being kids. Visit HackensackMeridianHealth.org slash COVID-19 to learn more or to schedule a vaccine appointment today.
6: NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, We've Got New Jersey,